Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the Give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Well, good morning. What'd you say? Hey, good morning to you too. Good morning. I'm just playing with blocks. You know, this will all make sense in just a few moments. How many of you guys remember these blocks from Kids Church? You remember these blocks? They still make this stuff. It's awesome. Like, I don't even know what we used it for back then. But anyway, good morning. Welcome to Grace Church. I am excited to jump back into uh, this series called Translucence. Uh, I have entitled this something that I personally, you know once a year I'm bringing Legos into this. Like once a year you're going to hear something about Legos because they're amazing. I step on them all the time. Uh, parents, where you at? You get me, right? Like why is it the middle of the night and it's in the places that they're not supposed to be, you know? Anyway. Uh, but anyway, uh, Lego My Ego, okay, is the name of this, okay? So as we're talking about being transparent, you know, as we're talking about being vulnerable, as we're talking about allowing God to come in, well, the ego can get in the way sometimes, so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, let's start off with this, though. Jesus said this. He says that you are the light of the world, right? You are the light of the world. How many of you guys walked around this week and you just kind of felt a little bit more like light, you know? You just remember, remembered who you are. Walk into some dark places, do it on purpose, and just walk in and bring light with you because that's who you are. Now, I want to speak this morning to two different people, two different crowds of people this morning, okay? On the one side, I want to speak to those who are always right. You're always right. Like, I don't know who you are really. Okay, you can raise your hand if you want. I didn't say to do that. Wow, you're so right. You're like, that's me. I'm proud of it. It's me. I'm right. Okay, so I want to speak to you this morning, those of you who feel you are always right. Okay. And then I want to go over here, and we're going to speak to those of you this morning also who are never wrong. <laughs> okay. Sounds like two different groups, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like the same group, doesn't it? It's just two different groups. But, but, but I want to start off with a confession, because listen, uh, it wouldn't be a series on transparency and vulnerability if I didn't admit some failure, right? So uh, I want to start off with that this morning. I want to demonstrate that you can either be right, right? You can constantly feel like you are the one who's always right, or you can actually be someone who just doesn't necessarily think they're right, but they're just not wrong, you know? And so you, you'll, you'll see how you can live in these spaces. We, we only feel like we fit in one of these, really. Uh, but, but as my confession, okay, when I, when I first... Uh, came here to Grace Church. You know, I came from some from a different place, of course, and, and I had learned all the things that I had learned. Uh, and when I came here, I remember looking at my wife, and for the very first time, I looked at her and I said, we're learning in church. Like, I didn't think this was possible. And now I'm not bashing other churches or whatever, but for whatever reason, I wasn't receiving anything from where I was. So suddenly hearing the gospel of grace began to transform us. It changed us. And can I tell you, I became a bit of a legalist for grace. Did you know you could do that? You can. Uh, and, and that's what happened, because it's so easy, right? I had lived in a place. Now, think of it, if you will. Maybe you didn't come from this place, but I, I came from a place where I loved God. I loved him so much. I had seen him do powerful things, incredible things, supernatural things. I wanted so badly for everybody in the whole world to see him, to meet him, right? I mean, I was that guy who was... I mean, just a little much for Jesus. Like, that's who I was, you know, because I just wanted everybody to see that. Maybe you're that way, too. Well, then I find out that everything I had believed was good news, but it kind of seemed weird because it had some bad news mixed in with it. 
It wasn't, and there was something called good news, and I learned this, and I got excited about it, and maybe you've been on that journey as well, where this gospel of grace has transformed a lot of your old thinking. Well, it caused me to kind of be a little bit excited, and I went around, and I kind of ruined a lot of relationships. Have you ever done that before, for grace even? Uh, and I did, okay? I blew it, and, I, and, it, and it wasn't on purpose. It was because I was just so excited about what I was seeing. So recently, I've kind of gone around and I've tried to mend some of those fences, you know. I've gone around and tried to uh, see why nobody talks to me anymore, you know. And, uh, and so it's been fun. It's been a fun journey of exploration, okay. And my ego has been challenged, of course. All of these different things within us get challenged and messed with. And I'm finding such peace. I'm finding such incredible stuff that I had to share this with you. Like, like you can totally fail, right? And God can work it all together for good. He can show you how, Javen, it's okay to be excited, but you need to also know who you're talking to. You need to understand that I'm the one who convinces people. And we're going to talk more about that uh, in the weeks ahead. But here's the thing. I wasn't just somebody who thought they were right, right? My theology, I felt, was right, Okay. But I was also, I didn't think I was wrong, and I was wrong because I wasn't very loving. You know, God doesn't need a bunch of theologians running around punching people. Like, that's not what he's asking for, okay? He needs the light of the world, right, to go expose love to the world, to go show off what he's done. So let's talk about this for a second, because uh, this word faith is something we talk around here every once in a while, and I'm going to briefly touch on this. Uh, this word faith comes from this word pistis, okay? And this word is super important, because it's a noun, okay? It's a, it's a word, it's, it's a substance, the uh, scripture says. And so this, this, this thing called faith, you and I receive it. It's something that you can't produce on your own. So if you ever hear somebody say, well, I just don't have enough faith right now, that's, that's really a bummer, because you can't even make it. <laughs> so God left you hanging, okay? So no, God didn't leave you hanging. He gave you all the faith you would need. In fact, he didn't leave you needing anything. But there are these times in our life where we need some persuasion. And I love that this word means God's divine persuasion. It's, it's how he convinces you. I'm going to give you an example. This is the, 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 the only real way he ever needed to, but it was Jesus, right? Jesus was the demonstration of faith. It was here. <laughs> Believe in me. Watch this. Like, that's faith. It's a convincing to get you to believe. It's a drawing you in to believe. It's conviction, if you will, or convincing. Now, the Spirit gives us faith. He helps us, right? He helps us understand as we navigate this world. And yet, how many other influences do you and I have? I mean, we couldn't even list them all off. Between TV and news and, and, and all the stresses of the day and movies and that guy who you heard, who he sounds really smart and he says a lot of smart things, and boy, he influenced my, the way I thought. You know, And there's, there's all these influences. So when we're told to think differently, when we're told to live by the Spirit, when we're told to, to live by faith... That's more challenging than we think, and we need God to persuade us, to get us to see things his way. Let's take a look at what Abraham did in Genesis 18, verse 14. Look what the Lord says to him. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now, you've got to keep in mind, this was somebody who was older in their years. They weren't really thinking this is the chapter they were in anymore, okay? And so she laughs. Okay, an angel of the Lord, the Lord speaks to you and says, you're going to have a baby. You can trust that. But she laughed, right? She's like, you got to be kidding me. I don't know who this joker is outside, basically, is what she was kind of saying. All right, so look at how this, this went on, right? We know the story. We know that, that eventually not only would Abraham have a son, but we know that it would, it would be leading to a point of real trust in God, 
right? When, he, when God would say, I want you to offer up your son to me now, right? I know I promised you you're going to have more kids than the sand and the stars and all of that, but the one chance you have it that I need you to give it up, <laughs> right? Now, I don't know how you would act. I think we all like to spiritualize that and be like, oh, I would trust the Lord, you know? Would you? <laughs> Because I think I'd have an issue. You know, I think I would have had a hard time. But see, something had been happening. God had begun building a relationship with Abraham for a while now. He had begun showing Abraham as we sung this morning about how faithful he is. And he does the same thing to you, too, all the time. He's demonstrating his faithfulness every day to you. And so he does this so that Romans 4.21 says, Abraham didn't waver because he was fully assured that what God had promised he was able to also perform. So as they're heading up the hill, and Isaac's standing there, and he's like, okay, we got the wood, we got the, where's the sacrifice, you know? This is going to get awkward. And they're walking up there. Abraham was so convinced that the Bible even says in Hebrews eleven nineteen that he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. Think about this for a second. Abraham had to already consider his child dead as they walked up the hill. I don't know how he did it except faith. I don't know how he would have done it except faith, except that God persuaded him to believe. It looks crazy because it is. But unless God's involved, it is crazy. But God, when he says it, it's faith. He shows us something. He persuaded Abraham to believe. Now, God knew that you and I would also need this same help, that you and I, even though we have all the faith we need to believe, we have all of these exterior sources pulling on us, teaching us, showing us things. And so he comes to us and says, whenever you need faith, I've given you the spirit to produce this for you as a fruit, as something to convince you, to persuade you that even if you find yourself in a weird place where you're going, God, I know you're good. I'm singing this song this morning, the goodness of God. But some part of you goes, I don't know. I, I'm struggling with that. Do you know that God says, let me persuade you? <laughs> Would you just listen to me and I'll persuade you? Look at John 16. Jesus knew this was going to happen. He gave us help. John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. He promises us a helper or an advocate. And there's a reason, by the way. It's not to help you with sin. It's to help you because there's so much more <laughs> to learn about God that we need a helper. Listen to this. And he, when he comes, the Spirit of God, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, let's stop there for a moment. That's where most people stop. Uh, and we stop there for a reason, because we can now use the scripture to say, well, Javen, the Spirit of God is coming around and convicting you of sin. So as a believer, he's letting you feel bad about that sin so that then you will go to him and you'll apologize. Okay, none of that was in there. And we're going to see in just a moment that that's not at all what this scripture is saying. As a believer, that's not the path for you. You don't need to go talk to God and get forgiveness of sin and all of that. We have something totally different. Now, catch, catch this. All right, concerning sin, because who? They do not believe in me. Uh, as a believer, do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> okay, that was a silly question, right? Yeah, of course you do. So you don't need help with that. No, this is for the world. They don't believe in Jesus. So he's going to convince you that sin is real. Error is real. You can actually decide for yourself a very poor choice and that you are life, that you can produce your own life and you can be your own source, and that's sin. So repent. They don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. So here's for the believer. This is important for you. You know, you sing these songs, God, you're walking with me, I'm in you, you're with me, and yet we, we operate, unfortunately, sometimes with these eyes, don't we? And we look around and we go, yeah, I'm praying, I'm saying that, and I'm saying it by faith. <laughs> well, what does that mean to you? 
Does that mean that you're saying it by, well, I'm just going to believe this, I'm going to contrive this, or am I believing this despite everything saying otherwise? <laughs> That's true faith. That's when God has persuaded you, and he ne we needed this help because we were no longer going to see him anymore. So he says, listen, I've placed you in me, so not only do you know where I am, but we know where we are. We know we're seated with him. You're not left wandering anywhere. And I go to the Father, and you no longer see me, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Believer, you never need to fear judgment. You never need to fear standing before God, and, and there's going to be a tape, or they're going to roll all your sins, or whatever. None of that stuff's ever going to happen. No, he's come to convince you that the one who is judged is the enemy, and we can all celebrate that together. He has absolutely condemned the enemy. So remember that we are not under the law, as we read last week, but Romans 6.14 says that sin is no longer a master over us because we're not under law, but we're under grace. Paul says it this way, and this is, it, it's, it's, it's so fascinating to see how we can miss this. He says that we have been separated from sin. <laughs> Did you catch that? Like, there's been a separation that has taken place, he said. He goes, you have, you have in essence, been joined to God. You can't have any sin. You can't have any issues associated. You have been joined in union with God. I don't, I don't know how, how often you just sit and think about that for a second, but just contemplate that for a moment. You have been joined to him, and, and what you have gotten from being joined to him was a gift, a gift called eternal life. You know, sin paid you a wage based on what you did. Grace pays you by what somebody else did. And God says not to live at all by what you do, right? Anything that is not of faith is sin. We, we think the sin list is what we can think of. Listen, it's, it's just it's being totally out of tune with what God is persuading you on. And we can live that way. Or you can live over here in this way. You can live in life. You can live where power is found in weakness. And we can live off the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Listen, this morning, we're going to talk about these blocks in just a moment. And what I want each one of these blocks to represent is you, okay? I don't know if you are, uh, which one of these blocks you might be. Uh, but, but I want this to be you this morning. And I want you to see yourself this morning as so valuable to God. You have so many gifts and so many things that God has put inside of you. And he's done this for a reason. He's done it because he's joined us together as something called the body of Christ or, or a building as we're going to look at. He's building called the church. And it's fantastic to know that whatever weaknesses we suffer, whatever things that we look at and we go, boy, I need to, I need to be reminded of the truth. or what, We have all of us to do that. Like we, we've got a family. We've got people that pull together and, and, and for good reason. Um, listen to what Ephesians says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, right? God even gives you what you need to believe. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Okay, catch this. You don't feel like you're being fit together, do you? But you are. God is fitting all of us together, people you've never even met yet. I mean, this whole picture is so much bigger than what we can imagine. 
And I love this. It says that Jesus is the cornerstone, or in other words, he was the, the stone that was laid. It was the very first stone. It was a heavy stone, a big stone, and they would lay this stone first because once that stone was set, the whole rest of the building was built off of that stone. In other words, once that stone was set, it was hard to mess anything up. Like that stone was the most important one. And I love this. I love that the Bible says that he is our cornerstone because he's building something. We're being built upon him. I don't know where you feel like your self-esteem is based in this ego. You feel like your life is based in the things you do. Wherever your hang-up is, understand that this is what's actually important. It was the stone that was placed before you were ever alive <laughs> that was placed. That was the only thing that needed to get right, and it got right. So that now all of us are being added on. And I love this picture. Now, I, I want to read a scripture to you that has always been abused in my opinion, but I believe it's going to help someone today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Now, I want you to think for a moment how you've generally heard that. <clears throat> I don't know if you're like me, but the way that was always told to me was that if you commit suicide, you have zero hope of being in heaven. Can I say that is false to like the hundredth degree? All right, listen, that's not what this verse is talking about at all. And if you have a loved one or you know somebody who's committed suicide, do not think even for one second that God like wrote them off because of this. That's not even close to what this scripture is talking about. Now listen, what's awesome about this scripture is it's actually, like most scriptures that are misunderstood, a defense for you and me and for everybody. It's a defense for the person who even killed themselves, if you want to say that. It's, it's, it's a strong defense that what God has put together, the enemy cannot destroy, even if he convinces you to take your own life. I'm just going to stick on that for a moment. Listen to this. Do you not know that you're a temple of God? <clears throat> Didn't he just say he's the cornerstone? He's building this temple where God dwells. Yes, of course, God dwells within us in the spirit. I, I understand that. But he's building something so powerful. And, and I encourage you, by the way, to go look at this scripture. If you go look into the original language and you see what it says, it's actually saying is, is that God has built something so powerful that if anything the enemy tries to produce, that anything sin tries to produce to come against it will be destroyed. <laughs> It's actually a verse defending you, saying that you are impervious to what the enemy's trying to accomplish, not the other way around. So please be encouraged this morning. You are being built together, and God's not losing anybody. Ephesians 4 says this, As a result, we're no longer to be like children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, which is all that stuff is, the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body being fit together and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. <laughs> <clears throat> You know, I, I bet an elbow looks at a pancreas and thinks, you look really weird. <clears throat> Why not? You know, we, we don't all look the same. We don't, all, we don't all have all the same functions. Someone right now is like, who's the pancreas, right? Like, that's what I just heard. All right, no, you're not a pancreas. But the point is, is like, we're being fit together. All of you, everybody. 
God, God loves the world. He, he, he's got a, a place for every single person to be a part of this building that he's building where God lives within it, where your ego, where your, your, your thoughts on God, your, your theology, all that stuff, it falls to the wayside because he's fit us all together so perfectly. Listen to this. <clears throat> you did not learn Christ this way. You have heard him and been taught in him. Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness and the truth. Listen, our self-esteem, our self-confidence, our self, (laughs) you hear that, should be based in who we are in him. Because this, in essence, is who you are. It doesn't make it look as shiny or as nice as you thought, okay? But this is essentially who you are. And we fight this all the time. You know, (coughs) excuse me. We were just reading how God is putting us all together. He's fitting us all together. He's got a specific spot for each of us, you know, and he's doing this thing. And yet, many of us will take our block and we'll go, hold on a minute. I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. You know, I got my own things. I got my own ideas. I got my own life. And you can. You can take this block, and you can take Legos of your life, and you can build a lot of different things. And all while you're doing that, you're missing out on what's actual reality. Like all the kingdoms you're building on this earth are for nothing if, if you're not a part of the actual building, if you're not a part of the actual thing. And when you know that it's not about where I place myself but it's about where God has placed me. Oh, it takes the stress out of all of this. It takes, really, you can place your ego aside. You can, you can put all of these things aside because, Lord, you are the one who places me where I need to be. <laughs> You're the one who's going to put me where my gifts are perfectly used. Like, I don't need to be insecure or crave the different gifts that, that get all the attention. Can I tell you how many people we're going to find in heaven? We're going to say, I didn't even know all of these things you did. Like, don't think of the things the way we commonly think of them. Look at this in Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. God gave me this picture which led to this sermon. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever uh, taken the Enneagram or looked into that at all. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more in the future here because it's really interesting. Uh, but if you Google it and you look it up, you can take a test. And I'm an eight-wing seven if you want to go on YouTube and start psychoanalyzing me like crazy. Um, <clears throat> that's who I am. And God started to show me as I was uh, diving into this and looking into this and <clears throat> trying to understand. <clears throat> excuse me. Hang on a second. All right. <clears throat> Living in Florida has disadvantages. Uh, but uh, God was showing me this picture. And he says... Uh, he says, Javen, imagine if you will, okay, the Enneagram real quick, just so you know, there's lots of different tests out there you can take of all types to learn more about how we all fit together. Well, this one has these, these nine different numbers, okay, and they all kind of work together. And God showed me this picture, and he used blocks, and, and for some reason in my head, and he showed me this beautiful Lego gown, if you will, okay, like this beautiful, like, just gown made up of all these different blocks, and, it, and, he, and there were all these numbers overlaid. You, you couldn't see which one was an eight-wing seven, which one was a nine-wing one, which one's all these different numbers and things. And you couldn't make that out because it had all just blurred together. And God spoke to me and he said, Javen, this is how I work. Like, I, I, I've, I've specifically made each of you the way that you, you're not a mistake the way that you are. Like, he made you this way because he needed you. <laughs> 
because you're a block and a part of a bigger thing that he's doing. And on this earth, people may look at you and go, I don't get you. I don't get what you're, I don't understand what your purpose is. And God goes, that's because you're not supposed to, because you're, I get it. God gets it. And I don't know how many times maybe you sat in church or how many times you've, you've been a part of the church, the greater church. And maybe because it's all about the pastor and the worship leader and the children's church person and all that or whatever, you kind of just go, I'm going to take my block because I don't really know where I fit. Please don't do that. Please don't do that because it's not about the pastor. It's not about the worship people. It's not about the kids' church. It's not about any of those things. It's not about this building. It's about a building that God is making out of all of you and me. Where there's, there's not a guy on the top and there's not people doing different things. We're a body of Christ. You can't even make out who's who. It's just that it's all about the head. <laughs> Everyone's looking into the eyes of Jesus. And we just get to be the body. Whew, oh, and it gets so much better. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body. <laughs> you were placed. Just as he desired. I'm going to read that again. This is for you. And now God has placed you, each of you, in the body, just as he likes. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer, truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. <laughs> Hear that again. Maybe you seeming, seemingly try to find your value in, in your title or what you do, and then this says right here, it's the ones who seem totally unimportant that are going to be the most important. <laughs> in other words, quit worrying about the stuff that doesn't matter, like who's important. Instead, worry about just going, hey, Lord, not worry at all, but you know what I mean. Lord, Thank you for placing me. Thank you for making me. Rather than my self-esteem and my ego and what I accomplish on this earth and what I'm, Lord, I'm just going to throw all that out. And I'm going to let you place me. <laughs> I'm going to trust you to place me as you desire. Romans 12, 3 through 5, as we close, is this, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. The difference between transparency and vulnerability, in case you don't know, is transparency means people can see through. Vulnerability means they saw the stuff you kind of hope they didn't see. <laughs> and the cool part is, at this intersection of transparency and grace, where we understand who we are, you can be vulnerable, vulnerable really about anything, like, because it's not about this, it's about this. <laughs> oh, man, you can sit there and be like, yeah, I blew it, like, that wasn't great. But I'm this, and I was placed right where he wanted me. That's a confidence that you and I can live from that's more secure than an ego. And although you might not like when maybe God pushes against some of your plans and your ideas, and you may say, Lego my ego, he may tell you no. <laughs> he may say no. No, I know what's good for you, and I love you. Can we trust him? Can we be like Abraham and say, Lord, I have been persuaded to believe, 
that even though I don't fully understand this year and all that it's got and all the different obstacles that I'm facing and all of those things, Lord, you are good as we sung this morning. And I'm going to operate out of humility, which means to see yourself the way God sees you. So, Lord, humbly I stand before you as a brick in the wall of a church, of a building that will house God forever. That's how important you are. That's how cool it is to be us. <laughs> Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never joined, or you're in the sound of my voice, and you've never received an invitation to come into this family, just know that the, it's, the doors are wide open. We accept everybody. We want everybody. The Lord made you specifically. He wanted you. There's no, there's no special prayer you need to pray or like a certain number of words you get to string together. You can simply just talk to your Father in heaven because that's what Jesus came to produce for you. He just wants you to talk to your dad. So this morning, if you've never believed, would you just say with me, I believe. I believe. I believe. And the moment you said that, the Bible says you're transformed. You become something that you may not see in the flesh. Oh, but spiritually, you got the best spot in the house because God knew exactly where you'd like it. And he placed you. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, it's so easy to get insecure living on this planet. And Lord, you said that we need to be reminded <laughs> of who we are. So, Lord, we place our egos aside. We place our ideas aside, our self-esteem, our pride. We put it all aside, and we lean into who we are. Lord, I pray for every person here that's going through a season right now of unrest. Lord, you'd identify any areas that are causing unrest and bring them to rest. Convince us. Convince us of how good you are. Lord, to those who are convinced they don't have all that they need, that they're waiting on you for something, Lord, I know that feeling well, and yet I know it's the truth is you are with us. You have everything for us that we need. Lord, would you convince or persuade that person right now in Jesus' name? Lord, for the person that's believing you for healing right now, for anything medical, Lord, I pray they would trust you. In Jesus' name.